Welcome to the Philosophy of Fighting Podcast with your hosts, Arturo and Anu. All right, this is episode 42, and I guess we're deciding to talk about a little bit of what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. Yeah, this is uh, definitely an interesting battle. This is something that's been brewing since like 2014. But even earlier than that, I was like watching, like reading propaganda posters where people were like, oh, the next great war will be in Ukraine. And some of these were from like 1939, you know, like 1940. And obviously, like World War Two is a little bit more. It started in Poland, but then it worked its way to like Ukraine. But I feel like these things are cyclical in history. But in our world, we like live day to day. But if you like think of things as like decades and centuries, I feel like these things like often happen or somewhat predicted. And it's just interesting that it's happening in our time. Yeah, I found it really funny that not funny, but like the writing's been on the wall for a long time. So it just seems weird that the outrage is now. It wasn't when, you know, like Crimea got taken over in 2014 or, or like other, it's just so weird. Like this has been... Even 20 years ago, you could have guessed that this was going to happen. Yeah, but you just don't think it's going to happen. Like, I don't, I, I don't have I don't have kids, but like, I'm assuming it's like, I don't know, your kids like smoking pot and sneaking out of the house. And he's doing normal things that people do. But then maybe it escalates a little where it's like, oh, fuck, he like stole a car. And you're like, that's bad. But maybe like it's his friends or he just got caught up. You know what I mean? And then and then it's like, oh, he's a serial killer. And it's like fuck, how did that happen? Couldn't you see he was becoming a bad kid, but you don't think it's going to be that bad? You know, so it's like... So the world is dumb. Say that again? So the world is dumb. No, I don't think think the world is dumb. I think it's also, what are you going to do to stop it? Like if Mike Tyson slaps my girl's ass, like what are you going to do? Like, am I going to be like, oh... Those are other questions. Could you, should you? Yeah, okay. No, but it's not not could I. I can't. You know what I mean? (laughs) He's going to murder me. And so like Ukraine, like, can't be like, no, no, we're going to take Crimea back. Like they can say that and they got to put up a face. But the world didn't want to get involved because it's that much power. It's similar to like when China took Tibet, you know, decades ago, a lot of the world was like, dude, you shouldn't be able to do that. That's wrong. But Tibet just had like a few hundred thousand people or a couple million people it was so small. It was in the mountains. It wasn't like a ton of resources there. It's out of Europe. So out of sight. Right. Like we're still a little bit western you know like we're a western nation so what happens in the east we don't give as much of a shit about and yeah people think it's wrong but does it really matter like nobody could do anything about it yeah so let's talk about like what's actually happening in ukraine in terms of like how people are preparing because like i think a lot of people have like their opinions on russia ukraine and right wrong and war all these things but what i found really interesting that you had sent me was basically plans on what Ukraine is kind of doing for defense. Do you want to talk about that a bit? Yeah, well, the whole country is mobilized. Well, here's some numbers first. Okay. Russia has about a million people in their army. Okay. But also everybody has some training there. Okay. And Ukraine has uh, 200,000 people in their army. And uh, Russia is a country of 140-ish million people. 
Uh-huh. Ukraine is a country of like 40 mil, 44 million people. So Ukraine's about a third smaller. Okay. But one fifth of the military. One fifth of the trained military. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But this is where fighting becomes interesting mm-hmm. because I've seen some numbers from like CIA manuals and stuff where they'll say for every five attackers, you need one defender. Okay. Yeah. Where, I, I can see that. Because it's easier to do defense. Like, you know, if people were trying to break into our block, even if it was like a SWAT team, but if there's eight of us positioned well, you know, and we don't even have to have that much experience, but all right, we have some people on roofs and some people like in windows, you know, and it's like a little bit hard to see. And, you know, they're using tactics where they're like removing street signs, you know, hiding any insignia on any building where like you might know, oh, this is that building. So any landmarks they're trying to avoid and, confuse them. I thought that was really smart. Yeah. It becomes a little bit easier to play defense. Plus, you know, you see somebody get shot by like a sniper, then you don't know where it is. You're nervous. So it slows you down. And uh, they were even doing tactics like, you know, they'll put a pile of dirt in the middle of the street and they'll just put an extension cord in it. So it just looks like a bomb, but it's not a bomb. (laughs) But you can't treat it like it's not a bomb because it could be a bomb. So it Mm -hmm. slows you down. And I think what a lot of this comes down to, though, is and you kind of touched upon it but i want to like talk about it a little bit like you need people that want to fight and right. like machiavelli was like a philosopher that said that like don't hire an army because they're going to think about how to spend their money <laughs> you know like you need an army that the other side of defense is oh my wife and kids could be raped and killed and mm-hmm. that's like the big fear and so you need like you'll fight harder you'll always fight harder if that's the case and I think like this is like fascinating because, I mean, right or wrong, the Ukrainians are de- defending their land. They're not like the most uncorrupt country in the world. Mm-hmm. And I see like a lot of like defenders of Russia saying that like, oh, cor- Ukraine's very corrupt. And I'm like, yeah, but so is Russia. And so is yeah. us in many ways, you know? Yeah. So it's like, like, why are you like, oh, they're corrupt. So they deserve Then every country deserves it. Right. And. Russia, yeah, I also saw some things, too, on Russia saying like, oh, we won't kill any citizens. But I was like, does anyone buy that? I buy that they're trying not to kill citizens because they don't want more citizens fighting them. You have to win mm-hmm. hearts and minds. So I don't think they want to do that. And in fact, I just saw a recent I just saw a movie today. It's called Charlie Wilson's War. And it was about like how we funded Afghanistan to fight the Russians in the mm-hmm. 80s. Well, Afghanistan was already fighting the Russians and we just saw that they were willing to fight. So we gave them weapons. But the Russians would the Soviets would use things like they were called like toy mines where like they literally looked like toys, these shiny silver objects and kids would pick them up and their arms would get blown off. Oh, my God. And like the tactic was, though, to maim kids, not even kill kids, because then the parents have to stay and take care of the kid. So that means you're less likely to actually fight. And so the way like a lot of generals and people think is like very calculated, detailed. You need like psychology involved in this and like so many things. And maybe they learned after Afghanistan, they can't be so ruthless. In the past, I think it was okay to be ruthless mm-hmm. because that, and it was like fear, like, all right, I'm not going to fight. But now with like social media and I could connect with my enemy's enemy where they might give me weapons so I can fight back. They can't just go in and just fuck people up. You know what I mean? Otherwise, they'd be dropping bigger bombs like they would just drop a nuke if they wanted to right now. Yeah. So I I think this whole what's really interesting and we can like tie this into, you know, 
fighting even within a cage or a mat or whatever it is, is a lot of the warfare is kind of like psychological. Yes. Like, uh, yeah, like you're disorienting your opponent. But like there's even things where like you sent me this thing. I'm just going to read it because I think this is really interesting. If you wound an enemy, don't kill him. Let his friends come to help him. Moving a wounding soldier means it will take four men out of the fight to carry him away. That's four less rifles firing at you. And if you can shoot the man trying to evacuate the wounded soldier, it will demoralize them and take even more men out of the fight to evacuate him. I think that's kind of like, that's crazy. That's, but, the, yeah. same thought pro- that's the same thought process as the Russians with the kids. You know, sure. that was just yeah. more ruthless. But like, mm-hmm. yeah. But the interesting thing is what you're reading, I got off of Twitter. And these are a lot of soldiers and different people from around the world that are putting tactics online. Mm-hmm. And so really the fighting is crowdsourced. So in like the same way, like if you could get like 10, 20 people and teach them some things like Ukraine right now put out instructions on how to make Molotov cocktails and like how to make good Molotov cocktails. And I was watching videos where there'd be like 50 people in a park, like a bunch of women just making Molotov cocktails, you know, like together and like just taking out the beer, putting in the gasoline, putting the petrol, putting styrofoam in because apparently it makes the the gasoline a little bit more like a gel. Mm. So when you throw it against the tank, it'll stick to the tank instead uh. of like drip off. Like so it's like chemistry comes into play, like engineering, like, you know, a lot of times we think of warfare as like big, strong dudes. But the gun kind of changed that where it's like, no, it's engineering. You know, and like catapults is like engineering and missiles are like scientists. Like you need all of that to come into play to be able to fire and fight these people. And they said one third of Ukrainians said they'd be willing to fight. So out of 44 million people, that's like 15 million people. And how do you ever win a war that way if it's just you're going to be ruthless? Because then you have even more people that'll fight. And I, Mm -hmm. I also read reports that something like, 10,000 people have shown up on the borders of Poland from other countries, like some even from America that are like, because in Ukraine, they're literally giving guns out on the street. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, I could just get an AK-47. Yeah, so that's what's funny is like when we're talking about Russia saying we're not going to kill any citizens, I'm like, they're arming all the citizens. So like, what do you mean? That's why Russia's saying don't do that because we're going to have to kill them. Yeah. And then, oh. and then it becomes a bigger fight. But Russia's invading them because Russia... Russian geography is such that they're just a plane. Mm-hmm. Like we have a desert between us and Mexico. Yeah. We have huge forests and lakes between us and Canada. We also know Canada can only have like a population of like 50 million at most. You know, mm-hmm. we'll always be bigger and culturally we're tied. And we have two massive oceans. So nobody could ever fuck with America, even if they wanted to. The only thing they could do is drop a nuke on us. They would never be able to bring an army and attack America. It's impossible. Right. Like legitimately impossible, logistically and economically. No country has that ability to even do that. But Russia is a great plane. And Napoleon invaded Russia. Sweden has invaded Russia. Poland has invaded Russia. The Mongols have invaded Russia. Lots of countries have invaded Russia. So Russia is paranoid and rightfully so. And you have somebody like Putin who studies history, who feels like the Soviet Union. The only way to protect Russia is to expand Russia. So if, they're, if they go into Poland, like which is where the Soviet Union was, it's all right. Now it's 500 miles of plane to, uh, to Moscow instead yeah. of like if Ukraine joined NATO, it would be like 100, you know, which is just like a car ride away. And so the way Putin thinks is 
oh, maybe the Russian empire will no longer be in the next hundred years. And so he wants to leave that legacy where maybe he restored the Soviet Union and is like this antithesis of the West, right? Like a little bit more conservative and totalitarian and authoritarian. But I think you can't protect anything. Everything's going to be gone. And it's not weapons anymore. It's fucking McDonald's. You know, it's like capitalism that has changed the world. Yes, I was wondering, like, so like even when you're saying like the U.S. is so safe, like physically, I mean, I think as we move on, wars will be more like cyber wars. Like, can I crash your economy? Can I hack certain things? Can I release certain information that shouldn't have been released? Like, I think that's how wars will kind of be going soon. I'm surprised, though, with Russia and all of these claims of meddling with an election and all these all the like bots online that there weren't more tactics like this used. Or maybe there were. I don't know. Against Ukraine. I think there were. And since 2014, like Russia has been in there in the east and the south and like influencing who they are. And in 2014, there was an elected Ukrainian president and the people of Ukraine wanted to be like a little bit more European, like they wanted to join the European Union. And then the president kind of turned around and was like signed a trade deal with Russia. And so the people were very upset. So they uprooted the president. Like they basically revolted and the president fled to Russia. And since then, Ukraine has been divided. The majority of people wanted to be more Western, but there were still some people that wanted to be more Russian. Mm-hmm. The, the interesting thing is, though, since Russia has been fucking with Ukraine more and more, now those numbers are shifting. Where before it was like 40 percent of people had a positive view of Russia. Now it's down to like five. Mm. <laughs> and, and every year it's gotten lower and lower. But where Russia's, I think, best tactic was is I think they've already influenced us because I was surprised how many people I saw like defending Putin. And I agree, like on a global scale and a scale of looking at centuries, I get it. The Russian Empire is one that is going to be hard to keep along for a while because it's communist and culturally a little bit backwards to like how the West is. Yeah. And so they're not going to be able to last based on their geography and their culture with the way the world is going. Right. So, yeah. But it's still not right that he went in and he's like killing people. Like, so But the fact that we have so many people in our country defending it, I feel like that is proof that Russian propaganda has worked over the last many years, because I get respecting Putin as a strong man. But I just don't think people would be feeling that way if they were killing your parents and the same way those same people i don't think looked at america looked at iraq and were like good i hope the iraqis kill the americans while the americans are in iraq because it's the same thing but like i think they were like no but we were bringing freedom and democracy or something you know yeah it's like all right dude well then technically like the same thing is happening there so you have to remain consistent you know like i don't know I just feel like there's a little bit of hypocrisy. And a lot of that is like propaganda that's passed. I believe in like certain things that are not typical, right? Like I'm not believing everything that's in CNN. I agree. Like the world Mm -hmm. is fucked up, but I find it interesting now where we have like cultures of conspiracy, where if you believe one conspiracy type thing, you believe all of them. Uh, That's a, that's a leap, but sure. I, it may be a leap. I don't know. The listeners can tell me if I'm wrong or right, but I feel like before I would say it's like, oh, if you're the type of person that believes like the moon landing was fake, then you're also going to believe like 
the lock, like, I don't know, the Loch Ness monster, or there's like fucking okay. shit, there's shit in the water. Like you'll be consistent. The door is open. That, okay. Yeah. I, I agree now, there. And it's like that now with politics where like the door's open. We're like, oh, well maybe let's give them the benefit of the doubt. And like, I, oh, get it. I see I what can, you're saying. Okay. I could defend fucking Hitler. You know what I mean? If I really needed to, and there's going to be people that'll be like, yeah, well, you know what? He's right. But it's also like, sometimes I'm like, should we be, you know, like, like right. should, should we be like, all right, these people are kind of wrong. Like what, what's happening. It's sad. All right. So let's talk more. I want to get more into more well, but, of these tactics, right? Like, so you're yeah. saying like Ukrainians were taking signs out, you know, they're doing like the dirt with the electrical cords, you know, they're mobilizing their citizens with a bunch of guns. There's more tactics. Molotov cocktails. Yeah. yeah. And Molotov the reason I cocktails gave- are interesting. So this is, this is all kind of interesting. I mean, y- you saw this in other wars with like IEDs and stuff, but like a, a lot of this was kind of interesting. So uh, uh, can I read another one? I, I think this was uh, a former U.S. Marine. He was saying, oh, can I, can I just say one thing though? The reason yeah. I said all that stuff is because the backdrop of all this fighting, you have to look at it as defensive and that's why everybody's fighting. And so right. because you have sheer numbers of people, like willing to be creative and fight now is why I think this is so fascinating. But yeah, yeah. No. All right. So this man says, stay out of the street. The worst place to be in urban warfare environment is to be outside. And it makes perfect sense. Yeah. He says doors are called the fatal funnel. It is human nature to try and enter through a door. Aim all your weapons at the door to maximize the number of kills. Block the door from the inside with anything you can. Okay. Yeah. This is like, you know, common sense, I would think most people would think this way. Stairways are another good killing zone. Block stairways, of course. If you throw grenades downstairs, have your magazines fully topped off and ready. The invaders will most likely run upstairs to pass the grenade blast. You'll need ammo to you have in the gun to mow down as many as possible. Cut small holes in the floor into the rooms below to fire into. That may not be something that people always think about. People breaching rooms will look for threats directly in front of them and usually don't look above or below until last. Don't sling your weapon around your body. If things go hand to hand, it will hinder you. Have a knife, spade, club close by and readily available. If you have to fight hand to hand, a handy than a rifle. Never fire from the never fire from the same window twice. Never stick the muzzle of your rifle outside of a window. Don't expose it. Shoot from deep inside the room, out of the window. It will help hide the muzzle flash and reduce the noise, making it hard to tell where it came from. It's all smart things that I don't think people would always think about. Yeah. Even they said uh, sandbags, like two layers of sandbags will stop most bullets. I thought that was interesting. And they were mm-hmm. like, yo, if you can't get sand, scrape off the plaster off of your roofs and your ceilings. Like, like all types of like really interesting tactics to fight. And uh, yeah, you're basically turning your homes into like, you know, your these mazes of dungeons, essentially for your advantage. Yeah. And Ukraine is a, and a lot of Europe our cities, right? Where like Afghanistan was difficult for us because it was like caves and mountains and it's like hard to find the enemy and see the enemy and it's so easy to hide where Ukraine is just a plain with lots of cities and the, the old Soviet architecture was like big buildings, like project types. Mm-hmm. And so you can have so many people just firing from different windows and different vantage points and throwing off Molotov yeah. cocktails like the only way to tight win that type of war is I think by being ruthless, but by being ruthless, you only bring on more fighters. Right. Because more people will see. So I just don't think it's possible to win anymore 
in situations like this. We did not win in Vietnam. We didn't win in Iraq. We didn't win. Yeah, in Vietnam was like the first to like really make people aware of this. Yeah. Russia didn't win in Afghanistan. Like it's hard to win. And plus now it's like city warfare. Like, yeah, it's it's so much more. And plus they have their whole and the same way I'm saying that Ukrainians are fighting with all their hearts because they're afraid their women and children get murdered and raped. You have a lot of Russian people that might be like, yo, fuck right now. I think the Russian stock market is down 50 percent from what it was two weeks ago. And they might be like, yo, my pensions are down and I'm not making that much money. And by the way, I know people that are Ukrainian and my cousin is Ukrainian and my, that girl that I like was Ukraine. You know what I mean? Maybe. I don't know how hard they're going to fight. It makes I think that part interesting, too. So the so more there's people, a good chance, it seems like these tactics can definitely. But I also have a friend in the FBI who's telling me Putin probably didn't send in his best troops in the beginning. Maybe some of this is psychological warfare to let them think that they have an upper hand and are doing pretty well in three, four days. Mm. And now they're going to start sending in bigger troops. And but I still think the same thing will apply with morale. You can't people will defend their home. And if they feel like they have nothing to lose, they'll do that. And then you'll have other people in Europe that'll support such a combat like where they're literally walking in to fight. So on my, my first my first thing was like Russia has its hands on like pretty advanced things like why not be using drones why not be using like things that were smarter i so i even read this thing where it says you know like even like thermal imaging you're like yeah. all right like how good are you going to be against thermal imaging in your home like all of these things and so one of the things you actually sent me talked about that they're like the army likes to fight at night because they have thermal images thermal image picks up heat so you cannot hide behind a bush, but anything that is ambient temperature just looks like a black square. They said cut up cardboard boxes and put them everywhere. The cardboard is the same temperature as the environment. Hiding behind anything that obscures vision only works if they don't have thermal. Sheets of cardboard in every bush, tree, it'll just be a square in the thermal imager. And I'm like, that's kind of interesting. Setting them up everywhere as distractions. It kind of is like chaotic terrain now. Yes. And the slowing down of the military means the fight becomes more expensive and right. the more expensive it is. Hopefully they quit earlier because mm -hmm. it's so expensive. And I think they were saying maybe right now they're spending like 200 million a day. I don't know why they're not using some of their more advanced weaponry, maybe because they wanted to see if they needed it or not. They didn't want to look like as destroyers per se. Ukraine's been using some drones, but I also think part of this might've been Russia's a little bit of a paper tiger too. Like, it's not like they dominate every other country. A lot of times it's like they sacrifice so many lives and, and like things mm -hmm. in the process of winning. Like they just have this will to keep on fighting. And I don't know. Yeah, that's why, like to me, if I'm a country that's going to take over another country, I would do my best tactics to almost like sanction them, make them fail economically, and then offer the, the hands to be like, oh, I'll bail you out. You know what I mean? Like you crash them. And then you save them. And now you're the hero what, and you took them over. That's what like America always did. That's what like China does now. Like uh -huh. just, you win through trade and it's a smart way. And Russia is using some of those tactics. Russia is like one of the largest producers of natural gas. So that's like heating for all of Europe. Like, and, and they know they need that. Russia is also the largest producer of something called potash, which is like necessary for fertilizer. Okay. And huh. the largest supplier of it. So fertilizer costs go up, food goes up. Wow. Russia also is one of the largest exporters of wheat, and so is Ukraine. 
So bread is going to go up. And they know that doesn't just de- destabilize Europe, that destabilizes the world. The last time Russia didn't export wheat was 2011. And in that same year was when like all the Arab uprisings were happening in like Egypt and Tunisia. And people think it's like food is still like one of the main reasons why people uprise, you know, mm-hmm. and it's always a cost of food. You can look at anything. You'll find other excuses too, like, oh, Facebook spread. There was still corruption in the government. All those things always existed, but it's also like once food increases, that's like putting gasoline on and then you start to see riots. So maybe Russia's even thinking like, we'll just destabilize the world a little bit, you know, and like threaten it. Like who knows how far it could go? I don't know. But the world is also just like, I think, rooting for Ukraine too, like giving weapons. Germany gave a lot of weapons, but it's scary too, because Germany just said they're going to increase their military budget by a hundred billion. And last few times that Germany had a big military <laughs> wasn't so good. Right. So, I don't know. This is just such an ironic war. Plus, like, I see so many people like, yeah, like, fuck yeah, give everybody guns and like all these weapons and fighting. And it's a lot of people that are like against the Second Amendment and like against like big military business, you know, and it's like now they're rooting for it in Ukraine. But it's about balance. But I, I just think it's like interesting where people are like, holy fuck, this could happen. Yeah. The other thing I found interesting, this Italian the fighting, was the Klitschko brothers are staying in to fight. You have you to. Every, every yeah. leader there, like most of the leaders there are literally staying to fight because you have to, you can't leave. Like so much of this is morale and psychology. <laughs> okay. But let's say war happened in the US. Name a politician you think would stand and fight. I think the politicians that were in the military would stay and fight, but I also think they would yeah, I think I think like I don't know how good they would fight. I think they would pretend. I think a lot of it would be like phony. I, I brought a this lot up would too, just like, be out. What happened? I think many of them would just be out. I don't have faith in any of the politicians doing what the politicians in Ukraine are doing. I feel like there's some good ones, but I feel like the sure, majority there might be some. Yeah, the majority wouldn't. And mm-hmm. I, I think the I think the, I think some would if it helps them politically. But if the, if it risks their death, then they won't. And. I brought up, like, I saw a lot of people brought up Ted Cruz. Like, he fled to Cat, he fled to Cancun when it got really cold in Texas and like people were freezing to death. Like, what pisses me off is that people defend him and will be like, what is he supposed to do? Like, fucking fix heating supplies and stuff. And I'm like, maybe just stay and be there in solidarity. Like, be like, all right, I'm going to stay by my fireplace and we're all going to sleep in the same room. And you know what all I right. mean? Like, act like a normal person and suffer with others. Just suffer with them. Like, I think that that level of camaraderie will be like, all right, we'll get through this together. But when you leave, you sow more division. And I think everybody that defends him for doing that, I I think you're wrong. Like, 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 I feel like those people, I'm like, come on, expect more out of your leaders. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't be like your average person. They shouldn't be like you. If you consider yourself average, they should be better than us. But I don't know if they are. I think they're soft and a lot of them are rich and i think they get power hungry yeah i think of if we were ever in the position that like ukraine is in there are a lot of people that come to my mind that would be amazing people i none of them come from our like political leaders yeah i i think the best type of leader is somebody that doesn't want to be a leader and that means they don't that means they never become them right because they're like decent people and the type of person that wants to be a leader always has like something brewing in their mind behind the scenes.
And the Ukrainian leader is not a perfect guy. Like there's corruption reports and he was a comedian. He was like an actor, you know, but he's staying behind. And that's amazing. Like, and I think that's all you need to do. Show up. If you show up, that makes you good. Like you're already on the right track. And if you're, you're inspiring other people to fight. Like that's what you're supposed to be. Your commander in chief, yeah. at least in our military, you know, like just inspire people, be a yeah. positive force. And so like, yeah, I, I have total respect for him in this sense. And it's not like two wrongs make a right, you know, like they're if, if Ukraine got dominated easily, there's no doubt in my mind, Russia and Putin are thinking like, all right, in four years, we take Poland. In a, few years, <laughs> in a few years, we take Hungary, Greece, and they just rebuild back the Soviet borders because geographically it's cheaper for them to protect their borders as they expand. Just to use that same analogy you gave with like right. a door fu- the door funnel. Yeah. Europe, Europe is a plane, except halfway through Poland, there's something called like the Carpathian Mountains. And so the way Russia is now, they have to defend 2000 miles of plane. But if they could push all the way to Poland, they only need to defend like 500 miles of plane. Right. And so that's like 25 percent. Uh, that's only 25 percent. So you save money and it becomes easier. And it's the same thing as they expand, expand past the previous Soviet Union. Like the more they expand, the easier it actually becomes for them to defend themselves and sacrifice some spots. Yeah, that's interesting. I've always found it. I've actually always thought that since I was young is why aren't borders in places that are just geographically hellish. You know what I mean? Like the fucking mountaintop of a range or something like that's where the border should be. Cause it just, it cuts off. Like there's no, no one's going to want to go to war with each other. Like your neighbor is if you have to fucking climb up Mount Everest or some bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's generally like that, but not okay. in Europe, which is why Europe is known right. <laughs> for having so many world wars. And many people believe that's why Europe advanced quicker than the rest of the countries like china invented the gun you know like india and china were the most advanced societies like china also invented the compass the printing press like paper but europeans improved on all these inventions Mm. and some people believe they improved upon these inventions because they were always warring with each other they had to get a step above their competitor their neighbor Uh. and so that's why like europeans are really savvy and like intelligent at things, it was like their warlike cultures that helped them do that. And it's because maybe they're just a fucking plane. It's like a highway of just like, like a great plane. Like, you know, it's just right. grass. You just walk over it. Right. That's interesting. And that's why you get a country like Switzerland that can be neutral because they're surrounded by mountains in the middle of Europe. Uh huh. It's hard to attack them. If they were a hundred miles east and near Ukraine, they wouldn't be able to be neutral, even if they uh-huh. wanted to be culturally. They just don't have the features to help them do that. Where Poland and Ukraine, these countries are fucked because they're in between a German empire that always exists and a Russian empire that always exists. And one of them always is going to conquer them eventually every hundred or so years. This is interesting. I wonder, do you think, man, I think about this with like Jocko and stuff, because like as you're describing this in terms of like, positionally for these countries and stuff i'm actually like trying to like also think of this like in mma like i'm thinking like positionally like grappling and stuff like that too and i'm like i wonder you know a lot of people have written about warfare tactics but i wonder if there's people like jocko and stuff that like really see the almost like 
Maybe he's so good at jujitsu because of his warfare tactics. Do you know what I mean? Like, is there some carryover to that? Of course. I mean, right? I was reading, I was reading an article about Cooper cup and he reads the art of war. Everybody, uh-huh. every businessman has read the art of war. Yeah. But even Cooper cup, like he said, one chapter in the art of war that he loves is like about creating space and defending space. And he related that to the first step on the line of scrimmage. Because mm. Cooper Cup had a 4.6240 yard dash, which is slow. Like punters get four point. It's not slow, but for the NFL, it's slow. For a receiver in the NFL, it's slow, right? Yeah. Aaron Donald runs a four six, and it's like it's insane. But yeah, okay, because he's two ninety. Yeah, but yeah, he 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 applied it to that. So I think yeah, people like Jocko. I think anybody could. I think that's the danger part of war too. Like it comes back to you, and how do you handle that? aggressiveness and whatnot that like changes you. I think that's part of the reason a lot of veterans kill themselves or Mm. have PTSD. So if there's any part of warfare, whether it's in the cage or real life and stuff that I can master, I pick that easily. What kind? Like that, that tactics. Yeah. You you have to know tactics because I thought that was amazing. Like, Oh shit. It's, they need five, aggressive soldiers to deal with one defensive soldier mm-hmm. it just shows the importance of defense and knowledge and intelligence and tactics how you do it it's like and i keep playing over my head like right and don't you think I... about that with martial arts like whether it's boxing jujitsu like whatever you oh. want like yeah like that that is the same yeah it's it's just more on an individual basis and we do it for play and that's why like i can't stop thinking about this other war though because i'm like yo this is real And like, I wonder what my life would have been like if I was not even in Ukraine, would I want to go to fight, you know, even if I was just close there. Yeah. Like, I I think that's like fascinating. Like Ukraine's now, you can't be, if you're 18 to 60 and a man, you can't leave. You have to fight. And I think that's like interesting. Like it's forcing people in. And yeah, some people don't want to even be forced to do jujitsu or like wrestling or boxing. (laughs) But now it's like, yo, you're forced to go to war, but in a way, is there a camaraderie now? Because like you're defending. I think there's some people that are kind of almost excited. Like that are like, yo, I've been waiting for this. Like my time to be a hero. You know what I mean? Is that weird? Maybe, but I think, I think for I them, like the writing has like... been on the wall for a while where it's probably not such a, a stark, like, oh shit, we, we got to do this right now. Like they've probably been thinking about like that moment happening for years. I think the people that have been paranoid and the people that have been in the East and near Crimea have been like that. Okay. And I think a lot of other people haven't been like that. Really? Like I had, de- I had developers from Ukraine that uh-huh. like helped build the Renta app. And over the last like five years, I would always ask them like, Yo, are you nervous about Russia? Cause Russia, this isn't the first time Russia had a hundred thousand troops on the border. Like they've been right. doing this like every other year and it's been close. And I was like, yo, are you nervous? And like, I remember like my friend Victor would be like, no, I think this is posturing politics, whatever. And I was like, yeah, most probably until it isn't, you know, like eventually yeah. like it's, and that's the thing, like even this time I was like, they probably won't do it, but that's the thing. They convinced us all maybe that they're not going to do it. Maybe that's why they planned it three, four times. We're going to go to the border and not do it, go to the border, and not do it, go to the border, and not do it. And then like lull everybody. And then it's like, holy shit, they did it. But just as easily, it could be what you said. People were prepared. So I don't think there's any, it's like everything in jujitsu could be reversed. Yeah. And so that's why like some of this stuff is like hard to talk about. All right, do you become ruthless? All right, but then more people will then fight you. All right, so then do you just use psychological warfare? 
All right, but then it takes longer and then it's more expensive. Right. And then it's harder because maybe you've they've formed like now a unique culture where they're banding against it. They said people in you the United Kingdom during World War II when they were getting bombed by the Nazis, less people went to the hospital or for mental health. This was a long time ago, so mental health wasn't huge then. Yeah. But like a lot less people went to the mental health, like needed mental health services when the war happened. And some people feel as though it's because they felt a sense of community because now it's like, yo, we're all in this together. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? Like right now, my pain may be my pain and we all have pain, but like, whatever, I don't know your pain and you don't know my pain. So my pain is just in my heart right now. Right. But if somebody starts bombing us, we're all feeling pain. The same and way. And in a way, same. Yeah. It galvanizes us where now it's like, whatever, maybe my pain's not, you know what I mean? Like, let's fuck yes. them up or something. Let's feed the kids. Let's protect this. Let's something a little bit more beneficial than being sad. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. And there's a, there's a tiny part of me that believes, I think we live in a world with a lot more sadness than before or like apathy. Okay. Also, they say people are having less sex and there's like less relationships and there's like a little bit more yeah. like. I don't know what to do. And and I have friends in Denmark, which isn't that far from Ukraine. And part of it is thinking like, say I lived there and I was spending time there and I was like a single dude. There'd be a part of me that'd be like, yo, I'll go. And I'm like, Mike, as part of me is like, well, what am I doing with my life? And is this like something honorable? At the very least, it's an interesting story. It's fascinating. Maybe I can report on stuff. Maybe I can write a book about it later. Maybe I'll run for office and I could say I was a war hero. Because I guarantee you there are, I know people that have served in the army because they want to run for office. Mm. You know, like there, there are people that have like, oh, I got to follow these rules, da, 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 you know? And so there's a part of me that'd be like, yo, maybe I would go. And I think there's like tens of thousands of people like that all over the world that are going to go and then also fight. Because there were tens of thousands of Muslims that went to Syria to fight on behalf of like ISIS, you know, or right. Afghanistan or Libya, like holy war type stuff like that exists. Yeah. And this this war is a little bit different because this is Europe. It's not really a religious war. It's like white yeah. people. And I think there's people that feel a little bit more of a connection to it. And people hate commies. So I feel like it's like, yeah, oh, we should go. fight. It's like it's an easier good guy and bad guy. And it's closer to our backyard than the previous wars that have been happening, which kind of feel like the Middle East and Asia are so far away. Right. So, I mean, you would know better than I do. How does China see this? I think China's like, and these aren't all my opinions. I'm just reading and regurgitating like other people's thoughts. Uh-huh. But China, the way I've always read about China and Russia is that they're frenemies. Like right. they, they agree like a little bit on communism, on like authoritarian power, like controlling your populations firmly, like having like very strong identities that we are Chinese, you know, we are Russian. Where in America, it's like, I'm black, I'm gay, I'm Asian, like I'm fucking liberal or conservative, you know, like Mm -hmm. we're not like so America's made up of so many different people. Yeah. Where Russia wants to be like, we're Russian and Chinese want to be like, we're Chinese. Like, you know, it's not like, oh, we're so many different people. It's about like homogeny. Yeah. And and so I think China is watching this where maybe if Russia's doing good and the West gets involved, they go, all right, fuck it. We'll take Taiwan soon, you know, and we'll, <laughs> and we'll do our thing because 
how are they going to be in both places at once? Or maybe they're thinking like, all right, if Russia loses, it's going to be a lot harder for Russia to manage their east. Mm-hmm. And that's our area. So we can expand now further up towards Siberia and those resources. And it, the world is a game of risk. You know, like I've, like they are thinking that way, but it's for like decades. It's not like years. Like I remember 11 years ago or whatever, like Russia invaded Georgia, the, the country mm-hmm. in the Caucasus Mountains. And people didn't think about it. But it was one of those things like they're planning. Like it's that same expansion to protect themselves. They expanded enough to protect themselves to get to certain mountain ranges and bases. And yeah, I think China's like thinking like, all right, if Russia does bad, good for us. If Russia does good, good for us. I think that's right. the way the Chinese, I think that's the way the Chinese are. Like they're very fucking smart and savvy and they just keep building up their own military and watching. I don't think they'll just do something. I think Russia, they say their population is declining. Their economy has been declining. The resources they have may not last so long if the rest of the world goes towards solar and wind and other uh-huh. forms of energy production. This might have been Russia's last chance to regain like their old glory, which is why they went in. Mm. So but I don't know if regular people think that way, like, you know, like the way I'm saying it now. Like, right. Who's yeah, thinking it? I, I think I think most people look at it as uh, here's a tyrant that just wants more land and will do whatever it takes to get it. Yeah. And they're not as even opposed thinking to thinking like... about why or the history or anything like that. Not, not that, you know, defending Putin, but like, there's always more to it. Yeah. On a grand century scale, I understand what Putin's doing. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I don't feel like the people that defend Putin think that way though. Cause part of me thinks they're like a little bit like drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, mm-hmm. like I think they're just thinking like he's a badass and he's tough. But still, on a grand century scale, like you could agree like that Hitler was right about eugenics and killing all handicapped people because what are they adding to the fucking gene pool? You know what I mean? It's still like it's pretty ruthless. But that's if you agree with Putin, that's what he's doing now. He's being ruthless, you know, and so right. like and Genghis Khan is also ruthless. You know, we kind of respect him and find him interesting, too. So that's what I mean. On grand scales, maybe it doesn't matter. All these people were ruthless and we remember them because they were ruthless. Mm-hmm. But on a daily scale, I think like the Russian is like, yo, I want my fucking stocks to do good. And I want to play call like I want to play video games on Xbox. And you know what I mean? Like they're not thinking like, why am I fighting for some empire? I'm not going to no one's going to remember my name. They'll remember Putin's name. But they're not going right. to remember my name. And so I, I, I don't know. Part of me thinks like war eventually. It's so hard to win now. Yeah than before right like we just have too much information if hitler was around now like how many memes like you know would there be like i i don't know i just feel like it's a lot harder now to do anything and it is harder now because it's also harder to surprise people with the internet it's like all the writing is on the wall before you're there you know so it it's it is tough you can almost foresee i mean for me, I feel like this was always going to be like, this is not a surprise. Some people are like appalled by it. And I'm like, I've been expecting this for like a decade, at least. I feel like even as a kid, I'm like, oh, they'll probably get those countries back like Georgia. Russia. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. How are they even going to? Yeah. I, it's the same way when I look at a small building in New York City that has like a fucking watchmaker in it or something. 
Uh-huh. I'm like, you're gone. Like, there's, yeah. there's no way you're going to survive right. in like 20. You're gone because somebody's going to be like, you know, this space can have way more buildings in it and money. And like, I like I, who needs a fucking watchmaker? Like, eventually it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So they, maybe that's just the story of the world. Like the week will get eaten. Yeah. I feel like everyone should see those things. Like you can see a country not doing well and you're like, all right, well, they have to get their shit somehow. They're probably going to do something to get it. You know, like I feel like nowadays, like these things are at least a little bit more easily foreseen. So it is harder to basically wage a war to win when everyone's already kind of like posturing for it before it happens. Yeah. Like economically, socially, mentally, warfare, like all of this is like, it makes everything so hard to have a war, which is a good thing, but yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. I think it is a good thing. I mean, people will make fun of, I saw people making fun of Americans, like 99% of us can't fight in a war, like, cause we're pussies. And like, I, I get the like idea behind it, but I don't think that's true. I think if somebody invaded us, like there'll be plenty of people that like y'all fucking fight, you know, it's just, nobody's invading us. So why the fuck are we fighting? Like, what's the point of going all the way to Iraq to do anything? And I think it's, I think some of these people are probably feeling the same thing. Like some of these Russians, especially when bullets are flying, like what the fuck did I get myself into? You know, Mm -hmm. like one group has to be there. One group doesn't have to be there. And so the one that doesn't have to be there needs to be, a hundred times more confident than the people that have to be there to win because you're the fucking aggressor. Like you have to be certain of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Cause it's also more expensive for you, you know? And yeah. it's just like, and there's more on the line. Like you're the one that throws the first punch and you get fucked up. That's way more embarrassing. Yeah. Right. And so you gotta be sure of what you're getting yourself into. I, I think, I think, yeah, in our country, people would do that. And I think we're seeing that there in Ukraine, I think, People are generally tough, but it's they're not going to be tough when they don't have to be because otherwise it's like, well, why not just eat ice cream and fucking play Xbox? Like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. And some people say that's bad and I get that it's bad. But do do you really want people dying around you and like rebuilding your home just so you can feel tough? Right. Yeah. I, I also think America, like if you look at some of our military leaders, our military in general. Yeah. I don't, I don't think, I think the people that fight in America are pretty fucking badass. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You have and to, I even I think like, yeah, I, I think our history is built on being like the every man rebel, you know? And I think every American has that like in them where it's like, you can like put a gun in their hand and they'll get something done. I don't know. There's something, there's something historically based in Americans that is very tough in nature. I don't think, and I, I don't think that's going to go away for a very long time. You could say, oh, it's this next generation. This next gen-. people always say that the next generation soft. The next generation soft. I don't know. You could also look at it as like the previous generation being soft for like being offended by the next generation. You know? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Abraham- so I'm always like, all right, people just love that shit. Abraham Lincoln said, and it's true, like all the world's armies combined cannot drink from the Ohio River, you know, (laughs) because they have to cross these oceans. Then they have to deal with like our forts and our armies on the coast. Then they have to deal with like, I think the Japanese general said this, like there's a gun behind every blade of grass, just Mm. regular people. Like you can't win in America. And then the second half of the quote is the only way we'll die is by suicide. 
Mm. And I think, and I think that's what you see a little bit like Putin doing with, and just like social media has done. So that's why, like, I may say, like, there's a chance by in a couple of generations, it does go away a little bit of that, like, Americanness because we're so globalized. Mm. I think our generation, I agree, like, I'll definitely agree. But I think there's some cracks in the foundation now where you have people that are like, I think, like, actively supporting, like, oh, yeah, good. Like, let him fucking go in. And I'm like, I thought we were capitalist slash democratic ish, you know, like. <laughs> Shouldn't we like not want like and just also Christian or like kind, moral, like shouldn't we want people that like want to be our friends, not be killed for wanting to be our friends, you know, (laughs) but I also get the geostrategic version of like they're going to join NATO and Russia scared and their history and their culture. Mm -hmm. But to me, it's like, oh, yeah, your kid is going to. Like in the past, your kid's going to fuck someone of a different race. So let me just kill them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's it sounds cruel, but it's like, no, well, no. Then my grandkid is not going to look like me. And my grandkid's going to have a different religion than me. And all right. But then now you're just going to have no grandkid because you just murdered the fucking. Yeah. Dummy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it's like that. It's inevitable. People are going to change. So the world is changing. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of way I see it. But. Maybe I just don't care that much about culture sometimes. Like, I don't like maybe somebody will look me, look at me as like a non-traditionalist, but mm. I just think you can't fight stuff like that. Yeah. I think yeah, by I think actively you fighting, you lose because people will be like, well, why shouldn't I do that? And yeah. reverse psychology, like, like George and Seinfeld, when Elaine told that girl, like, oh, George is a bad guy. That's when she wanted to fuck him, you know? <laughs> and, and then when she was like, go date whoever you want, she didn't want to fuck him anymore. And I think like, that's also... In yep. the case. Yep. It's funny. Tying it into a Seinfeld episode. Yeah. No, don't join the West. Don't join the West. Like, yeah. No, just, I'll join the West harder. Right. Like that, uh, <laughs> that Steve Carell like office meme, but it's true. Thanks for listening again, guys. We, we love it. Hey guys, this is Anoop. I'm sure you've heard. I have a startup called Renta. You can visit me at renta.com. R-E-N-T-A-H.com. The idea is you could rent any type of good service or space. So you could rent uh, Arturo to teach you Brazilian jiu-jitsu, or you could rent uh, my friend Andy to uh, set up your podcasting equipment for your next gig, or you could rent uh, the Philosophy of Fighting podcast to uh, promote a commercial on our podcast, or some gear, right? Like our friend Michael Shear did, if you want some Wu-Tang apparel. So uh, check out Renta. It would mean a lot to me. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Philosophy of Fighting podcast. If you have any questions, suggestions, or if you would like to fight us, send us a DM on Instagram at philosophy underscore fighting.